0: Let's read together, would you? Revelation chapter 1. John is there on the island of Patmos. The creation, the, it's rocky, the waves. You can hear, there's nowhere on the island. You cannot hear the ocean. This is the setting in which the risen Lord visited John six, almost 60 years later. He says, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands one like the Son of Man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like a roar of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid... His hand, His right hand on me saying, Fear not, for I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this, As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the the angels, the messengers of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Behold the word of the Lord. Quite a different picture from Isaiah 53. So much so that You think about it, John, when he saw, I mean, they were in awe-struck. They thought they had seen a ghost when they saw the risen Lord. And when he showed the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet, they were amazed. But did you see what John did when he saw the risen Lord this time? He beheld the full glory of God, the glory of our risen Lord. And he fell as dead before his feet. He made quite an impression. I want you to see the beauty of, of what he says. And, and the first thing you can note is in verse 13. In verse 13, he's, he says he sees the Son of Man in the midst of the golden lampstands, which we heard in verse 20 are the, the seven churches. And I want you to see something, that Christ is present. He is here in the midst of his church. He is in the midst of the church. And he's not only in the midst of the church, but he's empowering the church. If you're taking notes, this is, this is the ever-present Lord in the midst of his church. He never left the church. Even though the tomb was empty, he is here. It symbolizes the fact that Christ empowers the very light and essence of the church. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. The golden lampstands—they're golden because gold is the most precious metal. The most pure when it's—it's it's been purified. And, and the risen Lord, He purified and He paid with His life, His very blood, for the church. And He purifies the church, and He's made the church to be the most precious thing for Him. In fact, the church is called the bride. Of Christ and His goal is to purify us to be the most beautiful thing for the risen Savior to behold. Just think about that. Matthew 28 and verse 20, as He was preparing to go away, Jesus promised to the church, to the disciples, He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Savior is present. He is not gone. Matthew, in Matthew 18, verse 20, he promises to even be present during hardships and times of confrontation and difficulty. John 14, 18 and 23, on the night before his death, Jesus promised his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and he will come to him and make our abode with him. Christ, as John turns and as he sees the risen Savior, he sees the Savior in the midst of the churches. He has never left. He is still here. He is present. In fact, The idea of the golden lampstand is that the the light comes forth from the wick that draws from the oil, and we draw our power from the risen Savior. The light bursts forth from the wick. It is because of the Lord. The Lord is the one that keeps it burning. He is tending to the lamps. He is tending to his church. I want you to see how precious that is as he turns and he sees Just as the wicks draw the oil, so does the church from the ever-present Christ. The living Christ dwells with this church to empower it. And in Isaiah 53, he was smitten, he was forgotten. He wasn't even, people didn't even look at him as someone to behold. But now he is the very essence and power in the church. On Resurrection Sunday, we see an empty tomb. But we don't see a powerless church we have the all-powerful risen Christ and then the the next part of that verse in the midst of the lampstand the uh, one like the son of man clothed with a long robe with a golden sass around his chest which is very important because it's not around his waist it's around his chest it represents, if you look back in the Old Testament in Isaiah and in Exodus, you see that it represents not only that the long robe represents a king, but the golden sash around his chest represents that he's the high priest. Christ is. We see that in the risen Savior, he's the, the king of kings, and he's our high priest interceding on our behalf. That's so important. He is... Our high priest who makes intercession for us. His death he offered on our behalf to pay for our sins. That's what a high priest did. He would take the sacrifice, he would lay it on the altar and pray and offer it to the Lord that it would be acceptable in the sight of God to wash away the sins of those that came and offered. And and today the risen Savior is Not only the high priest, but he is the king who offered his own life as our sacrifice to intercede on our behalf. I like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and following. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, with a risen Savior, because he is risen and he is interceding on a behalf, we can have confidence to draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us. In our greatest time of need. That's why it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and following, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, if God, I dare say, died and He rose again for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He, that is God, not also with Him, His Son, graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? If God, it is God who justifies, who is to condemn us, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, He is the one who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding on our behalf. Behold, as John turns, he not only sees you know, the God who rose again and is in our midst, but he sees our high priest and king who is interceding on our behalf. Who shall separate us then from the love of God? Romans 8 goes on to say. From the love of Christ shall tribulation. What are you going through this morning? Tribulation, what is your circumstance? Is it distressful, it says? Or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? What can separate us? Nothing because of our risen Savior. Verse 14, he goes on, he says, The white hairs on his head, they're white as wool like snow. It it shows that our Christ is holy and eternal. He is our holy, our perfect Savior. He is our eternal Savior. He lives forevermore. It referenced the white is wool and like snow, it, it referenced purity and holiness. Peter reminds us that as God's children, we're supposed to be holy as He is holy because He is holy. Come now, let us reason together, it says in Psalm 51. Let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like Wool because of our risen Savior. As John turns, this is what he beholds. The beauty, the crown that is on our risen Savior's head is the one who takes away our sin, who takes the very blood that is on our hands and he makes it white as wool. This is the head that had no place to rest in life. This is the head that was crowned with thorns and his own blood mixed with the spit of his enemies. This is the head that was laid in a cold, dark tomb and covered with a napkin. But not on this day. One day, this glorious day, the head will be adorned with the crown of many crowns. Christ is our King. He is our High Priest. He is the Holy One. He is the Pure One. And it says that not only that, but his His eyes, out of His eyes, there comes, His eyes are like a flaming fire. It's actually the most apropos description of laser beams that penetrate everything. Christ is our all-knowing, righteous judge. He sees all. He knows all. It's an amazing description of our risen Lord. Remember, He was smitten. He was... He, they, they they, mocked him. They say, you know, what can you see? Bring yourself down. You don't know anything. They teased him. They rebuked him. They mocked him. They despised him. And yet Christ knows all and he sees all. He is, a, he is the searching, revealing, infallible gaze that penetrates to the deepest depths of all our hearts. I hope that you understand that. This Lord that was in the human form as Christ is now, He is the risen King. I hope you see the depth of our Lord. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. He knows if you're struggling and there are people that are, that are just pressing up against you and you, you're struggling, whatever you're struggling, the Lord knows He sees it all nothing is hidden from his gaze with this fiery gaze of his eyes he will try everybody's works one day we'll all stand before the beam and seat the great white throne of jesus and we'll stand there and he will look at you and he will know everything about you i don't know about you but that is an Ah, Awe-inspiring thought. There is nothing that is covered from Him. We cannot hide. We can hide from each other. We can hide in church. We can hide at school. We can hide at work. We can hide in so many different ways. But our risen Lord knows all and sees all. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. And He will deal with all our sin. Not only that, but it says His feet are like burnished bronze. Christ has become complete and righteous in all of His authority, and He will purify everything. He will wipe away all sin. He will purify it. Either it will be thrown into the lake of fire and hell for those who would reject Christ, and for those that accepted Christ, He will burn it away and He will refine us and will be with Christ for the rest of eternity. The kings in ancient times they sat on a high throne, and many times they would have bronze at their feet. The feet of a king thus came to to symbolize all authority. If you came to the king, you had to lay before his feet. If you didn't lay before his feet, you would die. That's why if you read the book of Esther, it was quite she came and stood before the king. And she didn't die. It was quite amazing. And we, if you have given your life to Christ, if you know that He has saved you from your sins, if you've repented and believed in Christ, we have access to that King. Along with all authority, He will purify all sin. First Corinthians 15 and verses 20 and following, he says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father who destroying every rule and every authority and every power, for he must reign until he has pulled all his enemies Under his feet, including all sin. In scripture, both brass and fire stand for a divine judgment, as seen in the Old Testament. Every altar had, and everything that they burned incense, everything had a type of of bronze. They used it in connection with sacrifice for sin. Christ is able to stand in the midst of the church with complete authority. He will execute the worldwide judgment of all under his feet. Those precious feet of our Lord Jesus touched the earth for the first time when he was just but a little baby. I was playing with the little baby. I love little babies. They're so precious. There's our little baby back there. I love hearing babies in church. That, those little feet, that carried him along on dusty pathways of Israel. As he ministered, as he preached to people, as he healed people, it carried him to the top of Calvary, where those feet felt the searing pain of those nails driven through them. Those feet were the last seen as he ascended back to his Father's throne in heaven. For the last 2,000 years, those feet have felt nothing but the golden streets of the city that He's preparing for those who would believe. Soon those feet will ride the clouds back to the world when Jesus calls His bride, that is us, the church, to Himself. Then one day those feet will come again and it will touch this world. And He will come in power. We will come with Him. We will watch in amazement as He judges all sin. Satan and sinful man as He treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. He will come as a judge. Are you ready? In verse 15, at the end of verse 15, it says his voice is as the sound of many waters. Can you imagine, as John says, his voice is the sound of many waters? And he's sitting there in a place where you can't go anywhere on that island without hearing the ocean. It is like being next to Niagara Falls. How many of you have ever been there? How many of you have ever tried to hold a conversation there? How many of you left horse there? It was like the great music today. I was singing so loud, I'm already hoarse. He's is like the roar of many waters. Christ's voice will not be silent anymore. In Isaiah 53, he was silent, but now he will be heard, and nothing will silence the risen Lord. Christ's That's the the idea here at the end of verse 15, that Christ's word will silence all other voices. Christ is no longer silent before His mockers and His accusers. He will come with absolute authority in His voice and He will judge all those who stand against Him. This is our risen Lord. This is our Savior. This is the voice of sovereign power, the voice of supreme authority, the very voice that will one day command the dead to come forth from the grave and they will obey because He is alive and He has conquered all death. This is a great voice. When Christ speaks, the church must listen. Today, men turn a deaf ear to the Lord They don't listen to his word. They don't listen to his voice. They don't listen to his spirit. They don't listen to his prompting. But there is coming a day when he will speak and his voice will be the one that will and cannot be ignored. Praise the Lord. I can't wait for that day. This is the same voice that spoke the world into existence. This is the same voice that declared the redemption work complete. It is finished. He is the Alpha and Omega. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word became flesh and He dwelt among us and people ignored Him, it says. His own people rejected Him. But He is coming and He'll come with a shout, a blast, it says. His voice will be a blast. This is that voice. This is that voice that will call His bride, His beautiful, purified bride, the church. He will call it home to glory for eternity, to the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we will rejoice and celebrate in marriage to our Savior. This is our risen Lord. This is not the Isaiah 53. One who is pierced for our transgressions. This, this voice will be most cruel to, to ever fall upon the ears of anyone who would be lost and rejecting of Christ. But it will be the most precious thing to, for all of those who are saved by His grace, that have accepted His gift of salvation. It will be the most precious noise ever known to mankind both both humbling and both amazing both terrifying and both just sweet to the ears this is quite an amazing th- thing christ is not only going to be heard but Christ is the great warrior and, pro- and protector of his church. Did you notice in verse 16 that it says that, it says in his right hand he held the seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. By the way, this is not the same two-edged sword that describes the word of God, that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. No, this is describing that large, long sword that create, yeah, has to be held by two hands. The sword that's sharper, hes in the Bible that talks about the word of God being sharper, it is just a scalpel that goes in and goes right and it penetrates the heart. Like a laser cuts right to the heart. But this is a large broadsword. It demonstrates, it was the sword that demonstrated both the greatness of a warrior that could wield such a weapon that can destroy enemies And also protect. One edge to protect, one inch to defeat. He is no longer that meek and mild, unassuming, mocked and quiet Savior who went to the cross. That is finished, he proclaimed. He is dead and his flesh has been stripped away. But now we have the risen Lord who is Uh, the greatest warrior for the church, that will protect the church, will defend the church. And He's coming for the church. He is not meek and unassuming. He is a great warrior. It also speaks to the great judgment that He will bring upon all those who stand against Him. Those who attack the Lord's church, those who would sow lies, those who would create discord... Otherwise, harm his people will be personally dealt with by the Lord. Jerry, all those babies, he will deal with all those who have persecuted his children. All those evil things we see today in the world, this is describing he will lay waste to all evil this word is so potent, what it's describing here. And in fact, this is not only to protect, like I said, but it is most potently used against the enemies that would stand against the Lord. The Lord will prevail. A double-edged, two-handed broadsword is coming from our Lord and for those that would stand against him verse 16 goes on to say we see christ reflects the very glory of the sun he he, he reflects the glory through his church his countenance or his face his face was like the shining sun in, in full strength this is the glory of the lord that caused moses to glow and they were like whoa he has been in the presence of god This is what the church is supposed to reflect when we go out and people are like, they have been in the very presence of the Lord. I want you to see this risen Lord. I want you to go away today and be, wow, our Savior reigns in full majesty, in full glory. This is the very glory that blinded Paul on the road to Damascus. This is the very glory that in verse 17 caused John to fall flat on his face as if he was he fainted at the feet of Christ all authority at his feet he laid down at his feet when Jesus came the first time his his face was that of a common man Isaiah 53 verse 2 we uh, Rob read it for us. His enemies plucked the very beard from His face. They spit upon His face. His face was beaten and stricken with His own blood. They spit on Him. When Isaiah met Christ, when they met the glory of the Lord, He said, Woe is me. One day we will see that face. And when we do... There will be no bruises, there will be no spit, there will be no blood. When we see that face, we will see him in his full glory. And we will behold that glory, for we will be able to see him, because we'll be like him in that day, and we'll be able to behold his glory, because he'll give us glorified bodies. Did you see that as, as John, look at verse 17, as, as John lay out of fear, out of reverence, out of just complete, utter awe and fear of the Lord, he lays down and he, as he's dead. And yet, look at the Lord. He takes that authoritative hand, that kingly hand. The risen Lord reaches down and grabs a hold of John. Do you see that personal love and care of our risen Lord? He reaches down and and he's he, he with John, who's overwhelmed by what he just beheld. And he says, It's okay. Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I am the eternal one. I cannot die. I didn't die. I am here. I'm in and still working. I am the Lord. I am the one who reigns. I will take care of everything. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. This one who struck fear into the heart of John, the first, the last, the living one, the one who is dead, that was freed, that has freed us, that freed John from sin, is the very one who comforts and assures John he comforts and He's right here in our midst. He wants to comfort and assure those that He has saved. He is not against us, but He is a for us. He will take care of the enemies. One day He will hold us, this risen Lord. Look at this paradoxical declaration. It's kind of like Army intelligence. No offense, Richard. <laughs> Believe this. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive. He was. He, his flesh was gone. The earthly world was stripped away, and behold, just the majesty and glory of the risen Lord. Christ will live forever, and as He lives forever, as He rose again, He surely, who bore our sins on the cross, will redeem His people. Romans six nine. Christ, having been raised from the dead, wrote Paul, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. He has the keys to death. Think about this. He has the keys. He has full control of what would destroy our bodies. It is in his hand. He is in full ownership of death. He also not only has the keys to death but he has the keys of Hades that which would destroy your soul for eternity that is also in full control of our risen savior the truth provides such great it gives me goosebumps like some of the music today just listening I was just imagining just as we started out in, in our music and, and as we, I, I just saw, us, I was thinking of some of the, the drum and the, the trumpet as we triumphantly just are marching to the Savior. And some of the most beautiful music and voices and instruments, I just, just the glory of our Savior. I pray that you would be comforted by what Christ has done it's not just an empty tomb on Resurrection Sunday. It is a risen Savior. In spite of all of our sinfulness in the presence of this glorious Lord, we have nothing to fear if we're in Christ. He will reach down that right, righteous right hand and He will lift up His servants to glory. He is risen. He is the glory of the only begotten of the Lord full of grace and truth. Are you ready to meet the risen Savior? This is the risen Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Would you behold the glory and beauty of our Savior this morning? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I pray that we too soon can behold that wonderful glory. Lord, I, I pray and I beg with all my heart that your spirit would touch everyone's heart this morning. And that, that if someone here has never repented and believed and trusted and put their faith in Christ, that they would simply say, yeah, I am dead in my sin. I deserve death. I am not righteous. I am not holy. I am not like the risen Savior are. I I, I can never be like Him. There is none like you that they would call upon the Lord right now and be saved. That they would call upon our risen Savior that right now that they would say with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might, yes, Lord, I need you. Save me. I pray if anyone here is in need of life-altering change, That they would give their heart to you. That they would stop trying to live their life and say that they can do it. But that they would give up and that they would see the magnificence and beauty of, of what you did when you died on the cross. And now to behold you in full glory, may they kneel before your feet and give their life to you. I pray that the rest of us who have done that, your bride would take great comfort from the hand of the Lord this morning, our risen Savior, who loves, comforts, protects, provides, and wants us to behold your full glory that we might rejoice together with you. May that be true in our hearts this morning as we celebrate your resurrection